I'm just going to be really honest with y'all right now. I am so excited to bring you this week's episode. This is one of the first episodes I recorded, which is why it gets a, a little bit longer intro. But this week, I talked to one of my oldest and dearest friends. Her name is Leslie Marie Aguilar. She's a creative writer, a powerhouse of a poet. She works on a magazine. She has been published. She speaks at conferences. She is awesome. I'm so excited to get into this conversation. We talk about how life and art take us in so many different places. She gives us a really deep and transparent look into some of her experiences with depression. We also dispel the myth of that romance of that tortured artist. Let's get into it. What's up, everybody? I'm super excited to bring in probably, like, honestly, my one of my personal heroes in the world of <laughs> creative writing and poetry. Um, like, I have um, admired this person for so very long. And then, like, also, you edit some. Like, I sent, like, the, probably one of the few people I trust to read oh, and yeah, edit stuff that I sent like because I'm you know you know y'all know I'm a spoken word artist myself a little bit but anyway I'm I am very very honored to introduce y'all to Leslie Marie Aguilar we've been we've been friends for probably like close to like what 10 or 11 years now yeah I think it's 10 or 11 at this point. yeah like it we're, we're in the double digits that's how good of friends we <laughs> it's are pretty serious yeah it's you could say it's serious uh <laughs> yes uh one of my good friends uh a fellow Texan. We grew up like just down the street from each other. Ooh, well, yes. down the highway, rather. Um, yeah. You've been writing for 12 years. She's a published poet. She's won so many awards that she lost count. Um, <laughs> goes to like goes all over the place to speak. Right now, you're in Massachusetts to yes. to write, right? Like that. That was why they. That was why they got you out there. Yeah, so originally I was here on a fellowship, but then I applied for a job at a uh, journal here, and so I'm editing. That's what brought me out here, and I love it, actually, and I, I liked it more than I thought I would, so I'm, I'm here. I'm still here. It's been Is about a year yeah. and a half. Oh, gosh. Yeah. All right. There you go. So, uh, yes, everybody, welcome Leslie to the podcast. She is part of the CT family, the, the, the creators therapy family, so... Anyway, Leslie, I'm super stoked that you are that you're here. You're on the I'm show. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me. I know I've said it many times, but anything for family, anything for friends, but also this is exciting. So yeah. thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been so we've been talking about like well, first of all, anytime I have like some kind of half baked idea, I always bring <laughs> it to Leslie. I'm like, yo, would you do this with me? Like, is this like something you'd be interested in? And every time she's like, yes. And Let's I don't. Do it. I don't know how many times I like dropped the ball on it myself, but like, <laughs> but this one we did not drop the ball on. It's just taking a really long time. Like I think it's I, happening. Yeah, it's happening. I think I teased this to you like uh, six months ago or something. But I think so. But that was good for me because my timeline is always in flux, and so if we can put things off to the last minute, let's do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Leslie, tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, there's only like bullet points. I feel like don't do. Uh, an artist like yourself justice I don't think they do anybody justice but like tell us who you are like how you got into to poetry who's responsible who inspired you like (laughs) like get us in get us in like what's your origin story 
Yeah. So, so let's see. So I think I mentioned to you before that I actually gave a, a craft talk um, a couple of days ago, actually, to a bunch of MFA students. And this question came up, too, of uh, where are you from? When did you start writing? And so yeah. I always say that I started really in earnest writing poetry in undergrad, actually. So that okay. was when I took my first creative writing class. But if I'm actually thinking back about it, I first started dabbling in poetry when I was 16. So gotcha. as as young teenagers do, <laughs> right? You're experiencing a wash of hormones, a wash of emotions, and yeah. you just want to get it all out on paper. And so that's exactly what I did. Um, but I joke with my husband how I'm really glad that the computer that I wrote all of these angsty poems uh -huh. on has since been moved to my parents' attic. It no longer works. I hope that nobody ever turns it on again. <laughs> uh, I think there's a poem on there called To Anger a Poet or something, which is, you know, the running joke yeah. in our house was, oh, don't anger a poet. Don't, um, <laughs> don't, don't anger the poet. Don't anger the um, poet. She will so Taylor cool. Swift you so fast. <laughs> so fast. <laughs> Watch out. Uh, um, but so that's where I think I got a lot of it out. And yeah. I was really fortunate and really lucky that one of the student teachers that I had in my senior English class, I believe it was in high school, was a poet as well and really encouraged me to see it through and to check it out. He encouraged me to go to see Donald Hall, I believe is who it was, this prolific poet who has since passed away. Mm. Um, but I, that was my first poetry reading that I went to. And he encouraged me and I met Donald Hall and he was fabulous and warm and welcoming. And I just couldn't believe that poets got to do this, that they were sort of rock stars and they yeah. could you know have a room unto themselves and have people want to listen to them and come up to them and talk with them and so I think at 16 and 18 you know I wanted to be famous and I wanted to you know I wanted people to look at me that way and little did I know that's not really the case for all poets sure but, you know at the time sure, yeah I was like this is it this is what I'm gonna do yeah uh but I I kind of you know, I kept that fire in my belly and was still writing and had journals, but, you know, not as much because, you know, you grow up and you, you go to you go to school and they always tell you you have to have a job and you have to have a job that makes money and you have to major in something that will make money. Yeah. And I was also fortunate that when I told my parents that I wanted to major in English and uh, not just English literature, but creative writing, they were, you know, normally aghast and said, oh, my God, what are you going to do with that? But then I think after the shock wore off, they bought me um, a really beautiful journal and That's a pen cool. to go with it and always encouraged me and always sort of nurtured that love for the art. So I grew up in a household where, you know, we didn't have much money, but the money that we had went to like going to the library or the community events where you would just, you know, donate thing like a l the little bit that you had or even just donate your time. And so we would go and see all the exhibits that that come or pass through a, a small West Texas town. And so mm -hmm. being exposed to those things early on as a child, I think, you know, fostered that within me, that love of creativity in all aspects and art. And then yeah. that evolved into a love for literature, a love for poetry, which then circles back to 
initially what I had mentioned, my first creative writing class in undergrad, which was a writing in nature class that I speak about all the time. Uh, but this was rain or shine, writing outside. The class was literally, there was no classroom. We, oh, we met wow. under a gazebo outside and in Lubbock, if you're familiar with the West Texas Plains, like it gets windy. Yeah. There are no trees out well, there. Yeah. There are dust storms. It gets cold. <laughs> it rains. Um, and so, you know, not to make it sound more dramatic than it was, but I mean, it was dramatic. <laughs> but it's bad. Yeah. Um, no, the wind yeah, is serious. As a, yeah. Yeah. As a young poet, you know, I wanted to be in nature and this was it and it was happening. And I was like, oh, I, I'm, I'm one with the world and I can do this. And so, it was romantic, and I romanticize it in a way that, um, you know, sustains me, mm-hmm. and I think has sustained me for a long time. Yeah. Uh, but those are the, the memories that I pull from and the things that I remember. And a lot of that also stems from the fact that this was, again, in, in West Texas, in mm-hmm. the South, right? Um, I, d- I don't live there anymore, but that's where my heart is all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's why a lot of the the poems that I write and the things that I choose to talk about um, stem from that, that love of, you know, wide horizons and the sky and, you know, heat and desert and wind, all of those things sort of sound like home to me and feel yeah. like home to me. And so you'll hear that song a lot in my poetry um and i think that answers the question right of origin yeah I don't know. definitely I no no I, keep I mean, going but no yeah well i mean if you want to keep going you totally can mm. but but even <laughs> as uh even as you were talking about some of the some of the elements and stuff i mean i i started thinking about uh just growing up i mean i grew up on a farm so i mean you know yeah. the heat uh the wind the the wind with the heat and then you got to work out there mm-hmm. you know like oh yeah like i i don't I've never lived anywhere else where it's like it's n- normal to uh, work and live in 101 degree weather. And yeah, uh, that's absurd. Yeah, right? isn't it I nuts? Mean, yeah, who does that? <laughs> but it was normal for us. That yeah. was normal for us. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. you're always hot. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, and it's always windy. It never stops. Yeah. It's so crazy. It really doesn't. It yeah. really doesn't. Yeah. And so, so just I mean, Texas born, Texas bred. You, yes. you're, and now you're, you're kind of. You're out and about a little bit. I mean, you, yeah. you um, you're all the way on the East Coast, which uh, like her, Leslie's husband, also a good friend of mine, and and we talk about this all the time on our on another podcast. But just like, like we're on we're on these coasts where the culture and life and like we we kind of went there for our expression, but like it's it's a very different it's a very different kind of pod of of uh of values and core values and, and just yeah. like, it's a very different world, but like your art has, has carried you all the way out there, which is really mm-hmm. cool. Like they, like yeah. they, they wanted you out there when you write, what what's like lately, what, what would you say is kind of the, I mean, I know Texas is a, is a big theme with your work. Have, has that theme carried over even in some of your newer work? Yeah. I, you mean where that shift is happening in my work? I think, yeah, yeah I think the answer to that question is twofold. So I want to circle back to what you said before of how my art has taken me to different places. Yes. Yeah. Um, which I feel like is a great question and a great thing to talk about. And I wish more people talked about it, not Mm -hmm. to say that they don't, but it's just helpful, I think to younger writers, um, and, and folks that are just aspiring to be writers Mm -hmm. to see that the art that you make, first of all matters, it has merit, right? The things that you are doing, they have value. 
Um, but secondly, that it can, it can carry you to so many places that you had never expected to go. So when I was finishing my undergrad degree at Texas Tech, I didn't even know that there were graduate programs for creative writing. Oh, Honestly, wow. I, yeah. I, I had no idea. And then I remember meeting with my advisor and him saying, you know, you should go to graduate school. And I was like, what's graduate school? Do I have to pay for that? I don't have <laughs> Do the money for this. Um, yeah. Thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> so it, t- it took a little um, convincing. And so I, I, I applied to grad school. One of the places that he mentioned was Indiana University. And so being from West Texas, like, why do I want to go to Indiana? Yeah. I'd only ever heard of Indiana because one of my uncle lived mm. there for a little bit. Um, but to me, I mean, and thinking back on it, it's the Midwest. It's not a big deal. But at the time, <laughs> I was terrified. Yeah. So scared. Um. And I, I mean, I was fortunate enough that I got into the program, first of all. So there are a whole other set of feelings that go with that of, you know, of getting accepted into a program and having that imposter syndrome, right? And yeah. We can maybe speak on that later. Oh, definitely. Um, because I, I have tons of things to say about that, right? <laughs> but also that that fear of, of leaving home, of, of moving to the Midwest. And so I never thought I'd go to the Midwest or get an MFA, and I did. Mm. And then at the end of my MFA, I never dreamed of um, getting a PhD and yet I applied for those. I also applied to fellowships that, you know, I was encouraged to apply for. And one of those was the Fine Arts Work Center Fellowship in Provincetown, Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I got the phone call uh, on my third year reading, which was basically graduation for us for our MFA. I got the phone call that I was accepted to this really prestigious uh, fellowship that you know, shamefully, I guess I had never heard of until my third year in the MFA. Uh, but but I got that too. And so that was another situation where my art was carrying me further from home to a different coast. Uh, wow. And I was e- equally terrified. So I had just always had plans that this was all temporary, that mm. I was going to do this thing and then I was going to go home and I was going to go home to Texas and I was going to buy my land and build a house on it and have a field of sunflowers and some yeah. goats and just, you know, and just right. Do, do my thing. Yeah. yeah just, yeah. and just right. Yeah. And I never planned for these things to happen. And mm-hmm. I was grateful for them always. And I'm still grateful for them, but also I'm, I'm scared and it makes me nervous. And so yeah. th- it's sort of two sides of the coin of like accepting the blessing for what it is. Um, and also, you know, acknowledging that it's it's scary and it's new territory, it's new terrain, and how do you how do you how do you balance those things, and how do you not get overwhelmed by it mm-hmm. and say, you know, this was a fluke, or I didn't deserve yeah. this, or they made a mistake, they're gonna figure out that I don't belong here, and they're gonna send me back to Texas, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, I. So this is so, so so circling back, right, of yeah. um, getting that fellowship and then tons of things happened in between to where I, I moved to Missouri and then I moved back home to Texas for a little bit. And now, fast forward, I'm, I have a dream job, really, which is scary to admit, but I, I have the, dr- the job that I dreamed I would have in my MFA program, which is being an editorial assistant for a peer-reviewed journal here at Smith College, which deals with issues of feminism and race and transnationalism, which if you had told me as a 16-year-old girl in Texas that I'd be doing something like that, living in sort of 
liberal land, I guess <laughs> is what I would have called yeah. it back then yeah. on the East Coast of Massachusetts, you yeah. know, surviving winter. I would have told you you were nuts. That there's absolutely <laughs> no way. They're yeah. not gonna let me do that. Yeah. Um, but they did. And th- it's not that they let me, it's that I that I earned it and I do belong here and I do mm-hmm. have a space. Um mm-hmm. and so so, th- so thinking about that, of where my art takes me, but also how do I fit into the places that it takes me, right? This yeah. is a, a larger question that I, I think I explore in my work. So you had also mentioned, you know, what yeah. shifts do you see happening in your art? Yeah. And I think for a long time it was homesickness. When I was living in the Midwest, I was just sick for home and I always wanted to be in a place where I, you know, didn't feel scared of the landscape or scared of the ideals that I was being presented with. A a lot of times, you know, my morals or my values were different than the people that I was meeting. And it's not because their morals or their insights or their values or their experiences were wrong or that Mm -hmm. mine were wrong. It's just that they were different and I hadn't been exposed to them. And so I found myself in situations where I was defensive or like proud, too proud or wanting to wanted to be, you know, confrontational because I was I was being confronted with things that I had never experienced before, uh, conversations that I didn't know I would be having that I yeah. didn't feel ready to have. And so there are probably experiences that if I could go back and take back things that I said or ways that I behaved in those moments, I would. But I like to chalk it up to being young mm-hmm. and just not knowing that conversations like this were happening. And I think that it's difficult to admit Mm -hmm. and talk about, right? Because in this age of immediacy and being politically correct, you always want to say the right thing. And you always want to say that, no, I I never thought these bad things. And I never, you know, said anything that I wasn't supposed to. And I was always on the up up and up. And I was always progressive. And I was always politically correct. You know, Mm -hmm. I'd be lying if I said that was true. Mm -hmm. And I think and I know and I appreciate, you know, having the opportunity to just have this conversation with you. One being because we're really good friends and I feel like it yeah. can be vulnerable yeah. and talk about that. Yeah. But also because, you know, I, I feel like it's a safe space and I want writers to have those safe spaces to talk about those things Definitely. because I feel like right now, you know, you're always afraid to say the wrong thing mm, yeah. or to, to like the wrong thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I, I feel like I'm still navigating that, that territory here Mm -hmm. living on the east coast right i bring those southern values and that like southern hospitality and i say you know y'all all the time and i say (laughs) yes and no and thank you and you know please and hold the door open for people and you know wanting to extend that sort of hospitality but sometimes not getting it back isn't a sign that you know people are rude Mm -hmm. it's just a different way of life it's just a different culture um and you know how how you choose to i don't know in, integrate in some way is something that i think i'm working on in my own work right yeah. of incorporating it in my own work and i think eventually you'll s- see that or i'll see that 
sort of seeping in to into my poetry I know already that the, the landscape is different I'm not only writing about the desert and the heat anymore now I talk about the ocean yeah. and flowers yeah. and things that are like what is this what is this why are there flowers in my poem and the the ocean right I didn't know how much I loved the sound of the ocean yeah. until I left Provincetown and I went back and you can just there's just something about the rhythmic wave the lapping of the ocean against the sand and you're just like okay you're not going to get this in Texas. You'll get yep. something different. Like yep. the, you'll hear the the blades of grass blowing in the wind and that's pretty close, but it just isn't quite the ocean. Right. Um, and so those things are slowly seeping into my poems and they're making their way into it. And so I think that's a more concrete answer to the, to, to your question. Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, it's awesome. I mean, because that's, that's part of what this platform is for, right? Is, is to like flush out some of that into, you know, we're, we're not, I mean, y'all, everybody here knows we're, we're not about the cheesy interview and the, the like, <laughs> you know, just give us the, the quick paragraph answer. Um, but I, I want to kind of, I want to kind of take the, uh, kind of steer it this way. Cause I, I hear, I hear something that, uh, that probably a lot of people or that a lot of writers or a lot of creatives would get, would get a lot out of. So, you know, you kind of sum- summarized um, a lot of years of processing, of accepting, of just kind of like stepping out. I don't know if it's just Texas. I think I see some of this in California as well, but just like where, you know, moving out of your comfort zone, your comfort zone being the entire stinking state. Like, mm-hmm. like it, you know, we can, we can kind of be wherever you want to be as in the state and it's a big change, but you're like, ah, but I'm still at home, you know? And mm-hmm. like, there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of like, it sounds like you were, you kind of, you were forced into a, a lot of uncomfortable places and it was all for the opportunity to, to either, uh, cra- you know, cultivate your writing or because this was a place that would appreciate and help you foster some of that cultivation of your writing. So like talk about just what, how did you, how did you see yourself or like feel yourself kind of process through some of the, some of the fear, some of the anxiety, like, did you see that reflected in your art at all? Like, I mean, as a creative, I mean, being a creative number one is vulnerable already, Mm -hmm. but like you said to like even transplant yourself into a completely different place and, and still in, and be an artist there too. You know, mm-hmm. just kind of like what, like that's a that's a quick culture shock right there, um, and yeah. so much transition to to swallow all at once. So, like, how did you see? Like, how did you process through that? Like, what what did you see shift in you? Or like, I mean, we talked about some of the shift in your art, but you had to kind of like go through that process yourself. So, yeah, kind of take us through some of that. I can. So, I think initially, what helped the most was the writing. Mm-hmm. Um, just you know writing out the feelings writing about you know that that hunger for home and not fitting in and I didn't feel like I had the language right or the the vocabulary or the experience to have those conversations you know verbally with the people that I was encountering mm-hmm. um and that that stems back to the you know being timid being afraid um not n- wanting to say the wrong thing so I think that it, through the written word, I was able to maybe say, write the wrong thing or say the wrong thing because nobody would see it mm-hmm. um, and then tear it up. It can just or stay just safe not... in this little notebook right here yeah. and under my bed. Yeah. <laughs> no. um, and I could keep that, that fear 
uh, contained yeah. on the page. Yeah. Whereas if I was just, you know, to just word vomit out, you know, I would just say the wrong thing. Um, and so I think that for those first few years, I was just, you know, not going through the motions, but, you know, containing my emotions inside and always, you know, being presentable and going to the things I was supposed to supposed to go to and being parts of the the groups that I was supposed to be a part of. And this actually, I think, came up in another conversation that I was giving a, a, at a symposium yesterday was, you know, as as a woman, how do you navigate spaces um, mm-hmm. and how, how do you break glass ceilings and part of that conversation was well what are the glass ceilings that we impose on ourselves and one of them is you know what expectations do we set for ourselves as women that we have to do the right thing all of the time and be you know mother daughter sister spouse uh like cleaner of the home Mm -hmm. maker of meals you know how do we do all of those things and carry all those responsibilities, but yeah. also add creative on that yeah. or writer on that. You know, how do I carve out space for all of that? How do I find balance? And I think that I still don't know the answer to that. I still don't have balance. And I know that it, during different phases of my life, that has become abundantly clear and apparent in ways that. Um, haven't been really great for me physically or emotionally or mentally. So mm-hmm. I know that, you know, there there are phases. So when I was in, in Indiana, it was a lot of learning how to make friends, um, which I was really lucky that the folks that I was with were had patience with me and they wanted to be my friend. <laughs> and they're like, no, you're going to come out and we're going to be friends. And so my best oh, friends... Oh, you're getting stemmed, out here. Yeah, yeah they, they, you're, you're coming out with us and we're going to be friends. And I, was, and I need that. And I've admitted that to them and said, you know, I, I want to have friends, but I'm just an introvert. And, mm. you know, it's, it's hard to make friends as adults. Yeah. I mean, like, I think there are probably plenty of topics about this, right? Of like, how do you make friends as an adult? Um, but I was lucky in the fact that they said, you know, we're going to be friends and we're going to do this together. And so that was great. And that was a bonding experience. And then when I moved and I did the fellowship, it was, you know, we were at the edge of the world it felt like in Provincetown we were literally yeah. at the edge of Massachusetts right so there's only so many places you can go and so many <laughs> places you can go to hide from people and so we were all there together and so that was a community where we could foster friendships and we just had to see each other I mean if you wanted to do your laundry like you were going to run into somebody um <laughs> and and so that was that was small okay, towns you know? again yeah <laughs> um and I mean, like, it, it got dark there really early, which was a thing that they tell you, right, of seasonal depression oh, is gotcha. real. Don't be surprised by it, but also, you know, be mindful of it and take care of yourself. And mm-hmm. so that was sort of one of the first places I realized that, you know, I the depression that I suffer from is real. Um and I need to take care of it. But at the time, I wasn't taking care of it. I was drinking a lot of wine and writing <laughs> um, all the things. And, you know, just really wasn't taking care of myself mm. or my, my, my well-being. And I thought that I could just keep riding that wave, just keep going, you know, of like writing and drinking wine and being on the beach and doing all of these things. Yeah. Because it sounds romantic and it was yeah. romantic. It, it but, has, you know, un- has, I'm sorry, it has like a very tortured artist 
Like oh yeah yeah like, oh yeah <laughs> like right and I feel. mean I'm like yeah. this is gonna go in my memoir and yeah. y- you know as you know um, yeah. but that's nuts right you you need to take care of yourself <laughs> yeah yeah um, that's not romantic if you're dead or if you're suffering from from depression but Absolutely. if you are if you are suffering from depression and I was and I am you know yeah. you don't know that you're in it until it's you know it's apparent right mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. so that was happening and that's when I first sort of realized you know this is something that I need to take more serious and then I moved to Missouri uh to start a PhD program and this is something that I think I've been healing from for a really long time and I just now feel okay enough to talk to talk about it actually I think the wow. first time I talked about it was a couple of days ago um and so I started a PhD program but I I quit it, right? Yeah. I quit it after a semester. And you're and you're not really, I don't think, supposed to admit that you're burnt out or mm. that you can't do it. And maybe it's just me. I don't think that it is. But I no. remember reading a ton of blogs that were just like, I think I'm going crazy. Like I'm losing my hair. I'm I'm losing weight. I don't feel good. Like these were other people's experiences, right? And they were like, and I think it's because I'm in in school still. Like I can't sustain mm-hmm. this life of being um of being a, a student and an artist and somebody that barely has enough health care to, you know, yeah. uh, I, the stipend that you get is problematic because, you know, for, for universities, you're you're not really a student because you're teaching, but you're not really faculty because you're not teaching too much. So you're just getting paid, you know, you, you, not great. You're yeah. getting paid not great. Yeah. It's, I want to say, below the poverty line, right? It's, so you're, yeah. I mean. It, it's more of a, not, it's more of a like a, hey, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. You get to go to school here for free. Yeah. So you take what we give you. Yeah. Um, which, you know, ooh, it feels scary saying that. But that's what it feels <laughs> like. And I, you know, I feel confident and, you know, that's what it is. Yeah. Um, and so you take what they give you and you take the health insurance that they give you if they offer you health insurance. And that just didn't sit well with me anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was like, if I complete this program, I'm going to be 30, right? But I'm not going to, what am I going to have to show for it? You know, yeah. I, I'm not sure. And for me, the the sticking point was that, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to be an instructor. I didn't want to be a professor. That wasn't my end goal, right? And it feels like a lot of times that if you go into these things that you're being uh, trained how to be faculty and how to interact in this academic world. And But what about the rest of us that don't? want that or that understand that there are not enough jobs for us right Mm -hmm. uh there really are not enough tenure track jobs for all of the people that are graduating with these higher ed degrees you know so what are we supposed to do and these are questions that i was having and on top of that continuing to suffer from depression and you know so these things were feeding each other back and forth back and forth and i had i had a like a breakdown I really did. Oh, wow. um, I did. And I I remember telling my husband, you know, am I going to do this for five years? I don't think I can. Just just wailing, you know, just physically not wanting to leave my apartment because it was just pain. It was painful yeah. to, to leave and to know that I was, you know, feeding into this system that I saw had a tremendous amount of injustice that I, mm. I didn't really want to be supportive of, but knowing that I wanted to be 
an artist and yeah. if this is the way that I had to to make that happen I should struggle for it and I should keep doing it and I think eventually my body said no mm. uh, it really did right and so I I quit I took a leave of absence and then I just decided you know maybe what I have is enough maybe I can find a job um and that was that was hard too you know I, yeah. I applied for a ton of jobs but I think and what I said earlier about uh a moment of healing and I'm still healing from it is that once I had that sort of break I realized you know I'm an artist and the idea of the starving tortured artist is is just that right it's yeah. it's an idea and for those of us that are actually struggling actually starving you know that's not romantic and we have to take care we have to take care yes. of ourselves we have to take care of ourselves yeah and I had to take care of myself and so I I did. That's what I did. I quit and I I went home. Did and what you got to do. Yeah. I did. I went <laughs> home and I I got well and I, you know, I was convalescing. I guess you could say. And I I don't regret it. It was painful Good. and I yeah. I felt I felt embarrassed and I still only now feel, you know, able to talk about it in a mm -hmm. way that doesn't feel like I'm. I don't know. Not embarrassed or ashamed, but that I feel confident enough that if somebody was to ask me questions about it I could actually you know give a coherent response Whereas yeah. when it was actually happening to me in that moment I was just absolutely devastated because how the path I thought I was taking and you know the way that I saw my life going completely changed and so what do you do when your goals change and the thing that you thought you wanted forever isn't actually what you want anymore yeah that's devastating yeah um, that so that was that was kind of whenever you're talking that was kind of what i mean number one so much of what you talked about just there like resonates so well because i know that uh the last year and a half like being an artist uh i've starved a lot <laughs> not, right? not, I've, I've been depressed a lot uh and this you know the whole tortured artist thing i mean definitely uh just to kind of piggyback off of that really quick, like part of this is, you know, y'all know is to like kind of mix in the psychology with the creative and the, the idea of a tortured artist is just that like yeah. ask anybody who's gone through it. It ain't fun. It ain't romantic. It's not like the movies. Like it never is. Um, like that's just life. But I mean, it's, it's more of, there's so much more about questioning and doubting and like am i really sure that i want to do this am i really sure yeah. that i love this enough to to just like suck right now like yeah there's there's a, i hear a lot of that that wrestling so i mean if uh like your 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 path and mine are a little different i mean i i, I never i never got the uh the structured training in in the writing yeah um but I, but I definitely, the field that I chose, it, it was a lot of like, had I known that after I graduated grad school, uh, that, you know, oh, guess what? Here's six year span where you're not going to get paid jack and you have mm -hmm. to work for free. Do you still want to do this? Uh, no, like, no, not really. No, <laughs> I, I don't nuts. want no one said this, you know, this wasn't in the brochure. Like I, I feel a little bamboozled. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> Like, and I mean, I don't mean to like dog on it and say no, that absolutely it, not. it wasn't good, right? Because there are a ton of resources that you get, you yeah. know, and like people that you meet and, you know, it, it, it's 
pans out for other people, right? If mm-hmm. you can, if you're willing to sort of forego and, you know, have rose colored glasses and about certain aspects, there are a ton of benefits from Definitely. it, right? But I was recently married and, you know, I, I want, I just, there was a lot of things in flux in my life and I was yeah. just, I didn't want to be a student anymore. I didn't want to be a teacher. I didn't want to sit in a classroom reading about other artists anymore i wanted to be the artist i wanted to be in the community that this was a hugely tumultuous time in our country in the world right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and i didn't just want to sit at a desk behind a seminar table being like what could we do if we could do anything <laughs> i'm like well let's just go do it yeah let's um, put our heads together and think yeah, yeah. No. um and so I mean, I don't know what I'm do- I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know if I'm affecting any change, right? But I have to believe that, you know, maybe somehow, I don't know. Yeah. These are these are questions that I struggle with still sure. and that it's good to have these conversations, but uh, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I do no, no, want to no. say that, you know, there are pros and cons, you know, definitely. to these programs, definitely. Definitely. No, I mean, I, I like I said, I I I see I see both sides of it quite a bit actually. It was of where there, there are people in my program where they were, they're all about this, and not only do mm-hmm. they want to keep going with it, but they want to get even more education into it so they can get even higher in the ranks of it. I'm like, hey, yo, Go great for, for you. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Um, more power to you because we need people like that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we we need people to be in those positions. Uh, I happen to not be one of those people. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> yeah. and then the writing. I mean, you know, I remember you, you know whenever you did you kind of let you left the uh the program and um the doctoral program you were kind of like and you kind of struggled a little bit with like am i even sure that this is the right decision to leave Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. so how do you how do you do that like it's it's really easy to give a rah-rah speech every day to somebody else and be like yeah you just gotta grind you just gotta do your thing you you know if you you have the passion you just gotta do it ah you know it's gonna happen for you and it's gonna be great and you're like sure yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) got it but but definitely like when you're when you're first starting out or you are uh not just starting out but you you know you're I don't, I don't, I don't think that's fair to say that you're just starting out and maybe you don't know. I think that we don't know for most of it. <laughs> no, I think you're completely right. Yeah. I mean, before we started recording, right, you and I were both saying, oh, we're almost 30, but 30 is yeah. going to be great, right? Yeah. And then we're going to get to our <laughs> mid thirties and be like, but 40 is going to, you know, yeah, we're really yeah. going to take off when we're 40, yeah. right? Because it always just feels like you're waiting for the next thing yeah. and the next thing and you're just waiting when I make a little bit more money or I have mm-hmm. the next job or I win the next award or I publish mm-hmm. the book finally, like I'm going to feel whole and yeah. I'm going to feel like I made it. Right. And I, and I hear sometimes when I go to talks and things where people will say, you know, if you feel like you made it, then that's when you should quit. Or if you ever feel like mm-hmm. you made it, then, you know, you need to reevaluate your position. And I think maybe what they mean about that is, you know, even when you meet a benchmark and you meet a goal, there's always one afterwards or, you know, maybe there isn't. And, you know, take a step back and say, oh, you know, I thought I was dreaming really big and then I got the thing, but now what? And that's kind of how I, yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I felt when I got this job, right? You know, I always wanted to be a managing editor for a journal and like that was as big as my dreams got at that time. And Mm -hmm. I got it and then I was like, well, great. Well, Well, now what do I want? Well, what do I work towards now? And it's the first book, right? But also, you know, that'll happen in due time when it's ready. But 
but then what? You know, it's always been the first book, the first book, and then what will it be? The second book or this award or that award. And I'm slowly realizing, right, that, um, right, it's about the journey. It's about the process. Mm. It's about the day-to-day. And that, too, I, I understand how that sounds. Like, I want to gag. I'm just like, oh, okay. <laughs> um yeah. But it but it is and I have to remind myself of that. And my husband does a great job of always living in the moment and just being yay today. And I'm just like, <laughs> "But what about tomorrow?" Um, you know, and that's why we're a good balance, but also, you know, "But what about tomorrow?" Yeah. And I need to remember, you know, as a poet, it's great to always be thinking about tomorrow and to mm-hmm. want to affect the change, and that's part of me, right? But as a a human being that's trying to make ends meet, I have to think about today and mm-hmm. what can I do in my life today to make sure that I'm being mindful of my well-being? You know, what do I do day to day? I take my medication and make sure that I'm healthy so that I can yeah. do things tomorrow. I try to exercise when I have time, right? Mm-hmm. I take care of my dog, I f- right? I feed my dog every day. That's a s- small thing, right? But I'm keeping something alive. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's, working. A, it's a big it's a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's you know it's, it's these small things, right? Yeah. That we we have to be mindful of, and you yeah. know, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. We're um so you i mean again we could we could go through all your accomplishments because you've accomplished so Mm -hmm. much in your career and in your in your your you're you're not even 30 yet let's 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 take (laughs) let's take a look back at all the things you've done and and it's like i'm not even 30 yet Holmes. like i i got this um but but there's a and, and we don't want this all to be doom and gloom. We'll, we'll, no, we're totally gonna, not. We're going to shift gears a little bit, but I definitely <laughs> want to flesh out some of this stuff because I think it's it's some of the stuff that we don't we don't really talk about. But yeah. where I'm getting to is like you're on stage, you're at a um, you're either reading or kind of reciting some of your work, or you've been asked to speak at a at a at a conference or an event or something like that. And so there's yeah. this automatic assumption that you've got it all figured out. Mm-hmm. And that, and that, like, oh, she's up on stage. She is exactly where I want to be. Yeah. And when we kind of peel back the layers a little bit, we go, oh, really? Like, you want to be where I can barely afford rent, and I may, eat, <laughs> I might eat pop tarts or noodles tonight. Like, I, I don't know, you know, rice, like, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. So much rice and beans. Yes. <laughs> but, oh, don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, I feel like creatives, we start down this path. We have a whole lot of dreams, and those dreams become questions, and then mm-hmm. the questions become insecurities, and the insecurities become like kind of almost crippling fear, and mm-hmm. we can start down that path. But it sounds like. Uh, but what we, you know, we go down that path, there's where the tortured artist lives, right? It's just in the clouds or the, the, the dark stormy clouds and just like no hope, but yeah. it's, that's not where you stay. Like you, the whole no. journey takes you back up to where you're like, yeah, I'm riding highs right now. Like, I, you know, this is, this is where I'm at. It's kind of a tension, right? Like you, you've got some struggle going on. Um, like, cause I, if anybody knows how the bills got to get paid, it's, it's me. Um, <laughs> but you also have to, you got to present, like you present and you're in your element and then there's this assumption. So all of these words, <laughs> um, <laughs> like to somebody who goes, I'm not up on the upswing or I feel like I'm just, I'm headed down, 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 or I am yeah. the tortured artist or they're listening to this and they go, you know what? I think I'm depressed right now because of yeah. all the things that have come up. Like, where do I start? Where does somebody start to 
go uphill? Like, how do we get to the climb? How do we get to the climb of self-care? Like, how do we start climbing that ladder? How do we get back to like where emotions and mentalness, like where, what's been your experience of how you've kind of recentered some of that? Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me was recognizing that I was in denial for a really long time. Mm. Um, of like, I what is it? I have high, high functioning depression, mm. which means that you know I can I can do all the things. I yeah. can do more than all the things, I can do and I can the do things. them really well. Yeah. Uh, but that doesn't mean that I don't feel like you know that I'm dying inside Mm -hmm. or that everything is gray. It just means that that's happening. But I also wear this mask where I can get all the ducks in a row. And once they're in a row, I go home and it just lay in bed and melt. And Mm -hmm. that's what it felt like. But I just thought that was normal. Like I really thought that that was normal and that that's how my life had to be. That was my day-to-day lived experience. And I think for maybe other people, I don't want to generalize or, you know, put things, my, my experiences on other people. But I mean, Mm -hmm. if you can relate, right? Like I think a lot of us just go through the motions and just assume that that's what life feels like. And I Mm -hmm. remember having conversation with my friend, one of my friends about, you know, being nervous to, to take medication. Um, and her saying to me, you know, I, I started taking it and then I realized, you know, there's a new normal right Mm so the medicine doesn't just make everything sunny and yellow whereas before everything was rainy and gray um it just makes it not as gray right like you you don't there's an equilibrium that's reached yeah you know you know what happiness feels like um it feels better than being sad whereas before my equilibrium was just sad 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 Mm. i didn't know what happy felt like which seems dramatic and and it sort of is but then I started taking medication and I realized, you know, oh, when these good things happen in my career, when I get to read in front of people, when I get to lead these workshops, you know, this makes me happy. This jolts, this energy, this like, this feeling that I'm doing good, that I'm giving back to the community, that's Mm -hmm. happiness. Like, that's why I'm doing this, right? And recognizing that I I deserve to feel that happiness. Mm -hmm. So going back, I think it was just finally realizing that I was living in denial and I think that for a lot of us, that that's the first step towards self-care is realizing yeah. that there's something not quite right, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, something is out of tune. Don't know what that is. You don't have to identify it yet. Sure. But recognizing yeah. that there's something wrong um, and that maybe we want to fix it, right? That That's the second part of recognizing something's wrong, but also having that desire to do something different about it. And it's really hard to have a desire to change when you're, um, you know, depressed or you're dealing with a multitude of other issues, yeah. right? And it's hard. And I don't have the answer to that. I, I had to have the full, like, breakdown to realize that, you know, I, I got to do something I'm different. In a spot. And I don't ever, yeah. yeah, I don't ever want yeah. anybody else to feel that way. But, the, you know, maybe that's the case, right? But mm-hmm. if you could recognize before that, you feel a certain way and maybe you don't have to feel that way and you have that desire to change. I encourage you to lean in to that desire mm. to to want change. And then once you do that, um, it's really good to, you know, talk 
to somebody about it. Yeah. Um, whether it be your immediate community, that be your, your friends, your support system, your family, or if you just go to, to counseling, right? Like that's not a dirty word to, you're not, admi- <laughs> you're not admitting, admitting defeat, it's right? It's definitely um, not a dirty word. Say no. it again. Like, <laughs> it's so important. So many people um, walk into the office, they go, uh, so like, I don't really think that this works for me. Like, all yeah. right. Like, how don't long tell we... anybody that I'm here. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I don't want, I don't want my friends to know I'm here. Like, mm-hmm. oh, uh, why not? <laughs> there's this like, there's this stigma and this shame yeah. attached to it. And yeah. I, I get it. Cause I felt it and you know, I still kind of do feel it, but I wish sure. that there wasn't, um, yeah. because that's what prevents a lot of us from getting the help that we need to Mm -hmm. feel better to Mm -hmm. to to function you know on a day-to-day basis where we don't feel terrible and and once you can reestablish that equilibrium then you find joy in things again um Mm -hmm. and you can do things towards self-care uh and i and i don't know like my self-care is different right like we could get into the actual self-care rituals like i do my nails every week myself like that's my downtime yeah yeah i mean i don't know like little things like that um you know, I, I try to not bring work home because, you know, I have to have that dedicated space of this is the home space. Yeah. That's the workspace. This is like the creative writing space. You know, I try mm-hmm. and not compartmentalize, but, you know, just sure. designate areas. Um, yeah. You know, I, I try not to be on my phone as much. You know, I feel at that a lot, but I, I try, you know, and it's a, it's a learning process. And I think the, t- the takeaway for me is learning to be forgiving. Mm-hmm. Uh, to yourself like forgive yourself of, of your failures right because you're gonna you're gonna fail you're gonna mm-hmm. set standards for yourself you're gonna set goals for yourself and you're gonna fail um yeah. not because you mean to but just because you can't control everything in life there are external things always you know uh, opposing forces right you, you're preaching right now like oh, just, sorry. Like, just uh, no, 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 no. Uh, no 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 i love it it, it, it there, there's so much guys there's so much truth to what she just said mm. like grab hold of it take it home with you write it down like there's so much truth to everything that she's sharing right now like this and th- this is why we got this platform right here like there's so much to know who you are get self-awareness know know what you're about like get into all the nooks and crannies of, of your soul of your heart like understand where you're at because that's gonna have so much of an impact for the better, not only on yourself, on the people around you, but your art. Yeah. Like you, like you just get, you just become a better artist. Like, let's just be real. Like the more that you know about yourself, the more you become a better artist, but it's all got to start with you being brave enough to be like, uh, either a, you, you fooling yourself or b like, you need, you need to make some moves like to, to kind of get yourself out of your funk. I think this, also, you know, I love cycles. I love cycles, but it, yeah. it circles back to the very beginning of this conversation, right? About authenticity and art, um, and I think, and I think that that's where it stems from, of being authentic to yourself, and mm-hmm. and you know, authenticity is like a buzzword, maybe, but it also means, sure. you know, like what makes you happy, what is your truth, right? Not. Mm-hmm maybe capital t truth but also you know what what sings and rings true for you right Mm -hmm. what rings true for me is that um you know i'm a young woman and i'm just trying to make it like through the day to day and i suffer from mental illness but it doesn't define me yeah i shouldn't be ashamed of it i am a powerhouse poet right like that feels weird to say but also you know we should we should own that we should own that like if you are making those money moves and you are you know hustling and you're 
you're putting yourself out there and you're, mm-hmm. you know, you're on that grind. Like acknowledge that. Like you deserve that. Mm-hmm. You deserve to be praised for that. And, you know, my dad always says, you know, people aren't going to, you know, who's going to toot your own horn for you if not you or something to that effect. But basically, you know, you can't wait for other people to, to sing your praises, right? It's nice right. when they do, but they're never going to know as much um, about you or about the work that you do than mm-hmm. you, right? And so it's always hard when I hear people say, oh, Leslie, you know, you're a published poet and you've won such and such fellowships and awards. <laughs> and, you know, I, I kind of shrink and I'm just like, oh, yeah, no, no. <laughs> you know, damn it, yeah, I earned yeah, that and I worked exactly. for that and I shouldn't be ashamed of that. There you go. And it's easy to say that, you know, behind a microphone. But sure. also I'm trying to live that truth right now. Yes. Um, yes. And so I would encourage other people to, you know, live that as well mm-hmm. yeah. and it and it, you kind of some of that some of living that some of owning that it, uh has to do with accepting it number one mm-hmm. like accepting where you're at accepting who you are uh and just lo- loving yourself for it like yeah just, just own just go i think uh lastly was the first the, you told me something um a couple years ago that has stuck with me and and has really helped me kind of get through some of the questioning times or, or even get through like, what is it that who, like, what is it that I am or what is it that I do? Mm-hmm. Um, which was Leslie told me this a couple of years ago. She said, um, there's no rule book to your job description. You say what your job, like you say what you do. Yeah. And I think I, was, I remember that conversation. Yeah. And I was like, dang, she right. Like, <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> you're like, welcome <laughs> yeah, there's there's so much stress so many questions that just like shut up because i was like i i'm i can be the one to say like to say that and if there's not that perfect job for you it's because you know you're about to make that job yeah right you're yeah. about to create that job mm-hmm. you know we fit into a ton of different molds but you know maybe we don't have to fit into a mold maybe we can mm-hmm. make a new one for ourselves and i mean you are doing that you're literally doing that every time i talk to you you're you're carving out that space for you because you have all of sure. these different skills and they're applicable to a ton of different fields right and you're you're mm-hmm. making those moves right and i think you know especially in this day and age everything is interconnected and i i work at a um a journal where we talk about intersectionality a lot like how do things overlap what are these networks i don't know um mm-hmm. i just see everything being braided together and especially as a poet i use that a lot of braiding things together and so mm. we are all in- interconnected in all of the things that we do sure but yeah you're right um make that job for yourself you are undefinable mm-hmm. um which is beautiful and powerful oh it's it's so awesome i mean like the i mean yeah it, it it's so encouraging number one to hear that um but also like everybody listening like y'all take that too like th- this this ain't just you know it's not this ain't just for us this is for y'all so like yeah. take that with you run like i said run with it like hopefully somebody's hearing something and it's like screaming at the speakers like yes <laughs> keep going Preach. i'm loving it yes um so 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 good I don't want to do uh, like again. I, I I love the conversation that we're having. We've we've covered so so much, yeah. um, but I definitely want to get kind of we we want to kind of I, w- I want people to kind of get to know you a little bit better. You've wrote you wrote a chat book, yes, called what? Uh, Mesquite Manual. Mesquite Manual. And yeah. can people like 
can people buy that still like is that is that out there can yeah can we, they can, we, can. can uh, we use monies yeah i mean yes of <laughs> course i don't get that monies though but it's appreciated um sure. so my chapbook was published by new delta review and um, you can go to my website lesliemarieaguilar.com and there's a page that'll take you to a link where you can purchase the chapbook so the chapbook is sort of you know the sneak peek of the of the the main course which is the main book which i am shopping around now uh, but Ooh, yeah and if you that? y'all gotta uh, get this chapbook now because <laughs> she's about to blow up everybody <laughs> but i'm also available for speaking engagements there you oh shoot so, see, you see know, there uh yeah. there's a contact form on that website as well but you know just saying uh, just saying <laughs> <laughs> but that's what we do right you, you yeah. have to hustle and you have, have to, to network have yeah. to but uh it's a i love it it's a great little chat book uh and if you feel so inclined i'd love for you to read it yeah uh can can we follow you can can we like yeah. if we want to like if we want to follow you on like instagram or something can we do that like is yeah. that yeah so it's uh my instagram handle is at leslie m aguilar and i think it's the same the exact same for my twitter i'm not as vocal and you know i, I summed about that earlier about you know mm. not wanting to say the wrong thing or share the wrong thing so i'm not as sure. vocal as you know other people but you know there are little tidbits of uh, of knowledge I don't know uh, my <laughs> musings if you will uh, on those social platforms as well I mean I'm all about a poet's musings like I think, <laughs> I think that's I think those are some of the best go get her chat book go buy it before she blows up because then you can be like you know whenever you go to a show of hers you can be like yo Leslie I'm one of the I'm like I'm like one of your yeah. biggest fans and you can, can show you... me the little jackalope but as a jackalope on the front I love seeing that there you go yeah. Yes, yeah. Jackalope gang yes. squad, whatever. <laughs> Jackalope squad up. Um, so go follow Leslie. Uh, again, the probably one of the most uh, inspiring and amazing people that I know personally. That's that's Thanks. kind of selfishly. That's kind of why I put this thing, this whole podcast thing together because <laughs> so we could talk. So I could talk to people I admire. Like yeah. I could talk to my heroes. I can talk to you, uh, you know, all of my greatest friends and you can get to know them. You can get, be inspired and admire them alongside me. And we'll just all make a little fan club together and we'll all just, you know, like follow Leslie's journey. <laughs> and we'll lift each other up. I think that's the thing about this community that I'm Definitely. excited about and to follow is, you know, we have to lift each other up and we have to, you know, share in each other's successes and also hold each other when we fail, right? Um, yep. And so I think that's something that I'm really looking forward to with this particular endeavor, right? It's just, you know, seeing where it takes us and, you know, the friendships that stem from it. So I'm yeah. excited. Absolutely. This is going to be, this is a, this is a community uh leslie is going to be back on yeah. the creators therapy podcast she is going to be a regular so don't you worry if you've got questions hit us up um yeah. we we are going to have a twitter we are going to have an instagram if we don't we're recording this episode a little early so um <laughs> you will find all the uh, pertinent information in the show notes so be sure to hit us up if uh if there's something that you want to share with leslie if there's something you want to share with me if there's something you want to share with the fam um or if you got questions because we want to hear from you. We want to know what kind of questions you've got. So that way we can sit down, talk about them. Thank you so much for being on. I'm just, this is just like, it's a dream come true. I'm just going to be, <laughs> I'm just going to be real. Thanks for letting me ramble on. I appreciate it. Oh, uh, no, I, I think, I think we, we, I, 
I think we all came away with something uh, today. So thank you so much. I'm excited to talk soon again yes. and get in another episode and, you know, just attack a whole bunch of other stuff that, you know, uh, to be honest with you guys, like Leslie and I talked uh, a couple months ago about all the things that we could talk about on here. And yeah. the list is the list is long. Yes. So um, go out there, be brave and, uh, and create. And uh, we'll see you next time.